Welcome to Media, Culture, and Why We Feel Like Crying So Much. Each week, we analyze everyday media objects like TikToks, reality TV shows, songs, films, and more. We hope to offer insight into our shared reality. I'm Grant Latanzi. And I'm Stephanie J. So you watched the Super Bowl? Yes. How how was that? It's a media extravaganza. The Super Bowl. Did it, anything stick out to you in your uh, encounter with it? Oh my god! So many things. Yeah. I was so angry while watching it. Um, mainly because of the ads. The ads really sucked this year. It was like I looked at my friends and I was like, "Are celebrities just billboards now?" Because it was celebrity endorsement after endorsement. Mm-hmm. I remember that shift happening when, like, the first celebrity started doing ads. And it was like, oh, my God, that's that celebrity. But now it's every single ad. It's like, I don't care anymore. I feel like they've really devalued the role of having a celebrity in a commercial because there are so many of them. It was almost every single one. And it was like a lot of them were multiple celebrities. Like, there was yes. one with John Hamm and... uh Who's the actress that plays Miss Marvel? Brie Larson. And uh, in a fridge, right? And it was like Ham and Brie, which that was pretty funny. It's uh, cute. However, <laughs> it was like, there were a couple that were like celebrity after celebrity after celebrity. And I was like, what is this the Avengers or something I'm watching assemble? Why, why are you doing this to sell me on your product? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Avengers, is he in the Avengers? Ant-Man? Is he just yeah. in Marvel? Okay. Yeah, that's an he's an Avenger. Why is there a T-Mobile and Ant-Man collab? Why is They've, that something? <laughs> that's That has precedent, though. When Batman vs. Superman came out, there was footage in the trailer of, like, a city getting blown up and, like, Batman is, you know, driving a Jeep Renegade <laughs> through the city. And it's in the movie, the product placement. But then it literally is an ad. And it's like, you can be like Batman. And to me, that, that like degrades, that, that lessens the integrity of the movie for me. I mean, product placements in general, like you can, it's so obvious that it, oh my God, no, I don't have words. I'm just expressing my frustration. I know. <laughs> I have to show you this product placement. Please. It's Stanley Tucci in Transformers 4. He has this like new matter substance where he can make it into anything he wants. He can transform into anything. And this is what he this is what he makes it into. He makes it into the beats pill. <laughs> this is a screen grab from Are you the fucking movie. kidding me? And then he's like, he's like, you want like gold? You want the beats pill? <laughs> and then later in What the, movie, the fuck? They get in a car crash with a truck of Bud Light. <laughs> When they do that sort of celebrity endorsement, I don't know. It it makes the whole sort of entertainment industry. It just gives me a bad taste in my mouth. Mm-hmm. On the other end of the spectrum, though, the stupid ads with just a QR code on them. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? <laughs> I know. Or there was there was one ad that was like. So it was like $7 million for a spot on Fox. And there was one ad that was 
like it was the trailer for the flash and it was like for the full trailer go online yes <laughs> like what do you mean you're directing a teaser to for the ad. oh my god um what do you think of the super bowl show or the halftime show okay so i placed a bet that rihanna would be a solo performance and everyone was like oh my god like People have had guests before, and I was like, no, but it's fucking Rihanna. Like, mm-hmm. that made me so happy. I won that bet, You're and that's right, the yeah. only, like, <laughs> she had this- Although, she, it was kind of Rihanna plus one. That is very true. Very true. But, but no, still so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really good. I liked it, it yeah. a lot. It, I liked all of it. There was a Fenty ad. There was. In the performance. And that, again, to me is like, you couldn't resist. Yeah. Like, I, even if it wasn't Rihanna's decision, because it's mm-hmm. a good decision. I saw, it was the first article I saw on LinkedIn the next day was about her promoting Fenty. Yeah. Um, Don't they have a line now, too? Like a Super Bowl apparel or something line? I don't know. Oh, I, I saw it on Instagram the other day. but Interesting. Yeah. I don't have anything to say about the actual game. It was honestly kind of boring. Not a lot happened. It was a close game. I lost that bet. I said that they would win. The like gap would be more than 14 points, and it wasn't. Oh, the Google Pixel 7. I am very angry about this. When the fuck did we start advertising phones as just cameras? The ad for the Google Pixel 7 literally just showed, like, oh, you can erase things in the background that you don't want. Yes. (laughs) That ad, I talked about that. because So it started, and it was, like, for years now, we've been using our phones to hold our memories. And then it was, like, what if you could fix your memories? Yeah. No, thank you. Oh. That's oh, dystopian. There's a, there's a bug on my ceiling. Anyway. Oh, no. oh okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I fucking hate that. And it's like... I don't, all for it's the It's subjugating aesthetic. reality to the image further. Yeah. Any more easily. hmm And like, why do we need to do that? Like, why... Mm. The fuck do we need to do that? <laughs> yeah. And it was also even the way they approached it. Like it would be like a vacation picture with something mm-hmm. silly in the background. And it's like, you want to get rid of that. And I was like, I 100% enjoyed the picture more when it had the whole story. Yeah. And like, I like being behind the camera. And I like, I often find that if I take a photo or a video, it's from my, obviously my point of view. And when I'm watching back, my hope is that like that exact moment, mm-hmm. it just captured. And like, I, that's my memory. Like, why would I want to, why would I want to have a memory that wasn't real? Like, why would I want to go and look at a photo of a beach with no people there that yeah. I physically, well, I've just, a beach where I removed all the people from the photo. <laughs> right. It wasn't an empty beach. So mm-hmm. why why am I being pressured to remember it that way? Yeah. Like all to post on Instagram? Why is it not aesthetic? I, I think that's like, exactly what it is. 
It's so fucking annoying. We have cussed more in this one segment than we have in our entire show. We, <laughs> we cursed a lot in the last episode, too, talking about PTO. Um, <laughs> that's okay. We, we, their mark is explicit, so. They uh, are. <laughs> you can't, I, here's, I want to just say something. I think that just because something is explicit doesn't mean it can't be educational. Yes. That's my <laughs> thoughts on that. I also, I remember once there was a, an, uh, an Apple ad. Cause I think, I think there's kind of precedent for what you were saying, like selling a, a smartphone in terms of selling the camera. Like there was one iPhone upgrade when they added the ability to like zoom out, you know, and I remember an ad that was just that. And it, and that's so interesting because we take for granted that the camera is a big part of the phone, but it kind of like, when you see it in these advertising spots, it, it almost makes me think of how this is a documenting device. It, at the end of the day, it, like they're selling the ability for you to capture reality mm-hmm. the way that you want it to be captured. And like the communication aspect of it doesn't really get an upgrade every year. It's like we still have the same iMessage. I mean, now we can edit if we really fuck <laughs> yeah. up. But like the innovation right now is behind the camera, not how we communicate. I mean, you can argue that, like, them adding 30 people into a FaceTime call is innovative, but, like, we, we have Zoom. Like, that that's mm-hmm. not anything spectacular. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not, like, when you get the new device, what actually changes? Like, the camera, and then I'm told the processor, but I can't tell the difference. No. Whereas, like... Every once in a while, there will be a big software update where, yeah, they're like, hey, now you can, like, I really liked when they added the reactions to messages. I think that's an interesting thing that's, now it's on a lot of platforms where you can react just to the message itself instead of sending another message. And it increases the things you can do within the virtual conversation. And I, I think that's pretty cool. We've gotten we've we've drifted into a different topic. <laughs> um, do you wanna do you wanna move on to our episode for the day? Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. The initial idea was drugs and alcohol in media. Uh, I think most of my stuff is gonna be about alcohol, though. Interestingly, most of mine is about drugs. <laughs> Great, this <laughs> complements each other. Yeah. What were your initial thoughts? We. That was all we thought of is like, we see drugs and alcohol in media. We have drugs and alcohol in daily life. Um, what sort of came to mind as you were thinking about this episode? The main thing I really wanted to explore was how streaming services, with the rise of streaming services, we ha- I, I feel like we have more content regarding drugs and alcohol and like the youth. The main thing I was thinking about was how when we had just one TV in the house, you had your daytime shows, you had like PBS, all of that. And then like after 9 p.m. it was like Nick at Night where it was Full House and Roxanne, Roseanne, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And like Home Improvement or Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like some of the more, now I don't view them as not inappropriate, but, like, adult at all in comparison to what we have now, like, Euphoria. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, compared to Full House. And, like, Full House talked about 
alcohol and smoking and stuff like that but it was a very like educational family setting and it was in like the very special episodes yeah which was a thing for 90s sitcoms 80s Mm -hmm. 90s sitcoms but yeah like i just find it so interesting like how tv parental guidelines work now because even if you have a little thing up in the corner if you're on hbo or netflix being like oh this is rated tv 14 Mm -hmm. with drugs alcohol sexual content like you can just skip through that. Like, you you don't have to rate it. Like, a 10-year-old can sit there and be like, oh, I want to watch Euphoria. There's a interview clip with Zendaya and the cast and the little girls. Like, what was it like going from Disney Channel to this? And Zendaya's like, I hope you're not here for this Euphoria thing. And it, it, that is how I got to Euphoria for this episode. I am all over the Euphoria place. is a great but, example, though. Like, yeah. Because that really... Drugs and alcohol are a big part of the plot and a big part of the universe that's depicted. I have many examples. I'm going to show you some screenshots I brought. I am ready. Have you seen the SpongeBob movie? I know I've seen like the first one, but... Oh, I have this movie like memorized. The first (laughs) one was like my favorite movie as a child. Um, But so there's a scene, anyone who hasn't seen it, where SpongeBob doesn't get the job to be manager of the Krusty Krab 2. So him and Patrick go to an ice cream parlor, uh, Goofy Goobers, and drink themselves into a stupor. And even like SpongeBob wakes up the next day with a hangover and you get to watch him navigate a hangover and confront his boss with a hangover. But they're eating ice cream. The whole time though, it's coded as alcohol. And like, that's the joke that adults think is funny. Like they're acting belligerently drunk, but it's ice cream. Ha ha. But I think this is actually a trope that's common in kids shows. So I've also seen, this is from regular show, which is, I think came out like after SpongeBob, but they code chicken wings as alcohol. And so when they're eating wings, if you, if you understand like kind of alcohol culture and like how people go to a bar to like hang out and consume alcohol, it, it's very clear that that's what they're doing, but all they do is swap it for chicken wings. And then, you know, you have shows like adult animation where they're drinking, like they like hang out at the local bar in every episode. Um, but I, th- I, the reason I thought it was interesting, particularly for kids programming is because even if it's not demonstrating like interacting or consuming alcohol, it is a general attitude of consumption that is so easily transferable to alcohol so like you get together with your friends at some joint and you have some substance that's sort of like there's kind of a ritual around it and there's actually some research about the ritual uh the ritual and social components behind addiction what do you what do you think about that in kids programming to answer that question i have a question for you okay when you watched these for the first time how old were you spongebob i was like when i saw that movie i was maybe like 10 did you like get the context or was it like equating a sugar high after eating a bunch of chocolate that's a good point i don't know that i even like picked up on yeah yeah you're right i don't think i consciously picked up on any of that i probably was just thinking it was hilarious the way that they were eating ice cream or like the fact that he seemed grumpy after or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Interesting. I find that fascinating because I'm sitting here thinking like, oh, like often the parents will also be home and have this on in the background as they're doing their own adulty things as their kids are watching this. And it's like, I don't know, like, who's your audience? Yeah, because there, there's kind of a trend right now. I feel like ever since Shrek, where it's like, we can have kids programming, but you got to find ways to make it interesting to adults too. And yeah. I kind of wonder if this has to do with that. Like it's, if it's supposed to be more like a nudge to like something that the adults think is funny. But it's still, it's modeling consumption. That's, yeah. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make is like the modeling of consumption and media. And then when you, even with real alcohol, like who gets to drink? Under what circumstances do they drink? How much do they drink? Who doesn't drink? Who isn't observed drinking and when? These are all social hangouts. This picture from SpongeBob, it shows SpongeBob and Patrick at a bar. They, their eyes look a little like unfocused and there are ice cream containers everywhere. You know, the empties, I guess. Uh, and then... Uh, it looks like they're singing a song or something. It like I think I have pictures on my camera roll from nights out that look like this, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and then the regular show one, it shows a bunch of guys, looks like they had a soccer game or something, and they're sitting around in a booth um, eating chicken wings. And that's that's coded as alcohol. I should mention they're not people. There's a bird, a raccoon, a ghost, <laughs> some monsters, and like a gumball machine. Um, but that's what we're dealing with here. I find this very interesting reflecting on it as an adult. Mm -hmm. Especially thinking now how when I don't know about the second show that you mentioned, but the first show, mm -hmm. the first show, Spongebob. The Spongebob um, Squarepants movie. Yeah, yes. That came out at a time where like, I feel like we were less on screens, like kids weren't like really on screens they didn't have tiktok they didn't have the video I think that was even pre might have been pre-smartphone yeah so it's like i feel like there was more opportunity for kids to look at that and be like oh my god look at this social thing like i am hanging out with my best friend eating a shit ton of ice cream and getting goofy um whereas like now i it does that still happen like every time i see my brother's now 13 and weird and now like it's weird to see how they interact with each other because it's all online i think i can't even imagine what it's like like i, I think i've mentioned before my cousins i'll watch them on their phones and it's just like they have so many group chats and and the way that they're constantly communicating digitally is it's it's just a little bit different and a, i think more intense than at least what I experienced, especially because, you know, like I was in that phase where I had my I, my phone in one, like a normal phone in one pocket and my iPod touch in the other. And it was like together, I kind of have an iPhone. Um, but it wasn't like you can connect to Snapchat and like with your, and you didn't have stories to keep up with. I feel like that in-person social aspect is taken away now. So I'm wondering how like, kids watching this today would view that because it's like do they still have that opportunity to like get together and sit around a table and binge on chocolate and be on a sugar mm -hmm. high and run around their basement 
Like, is that still happening? <laughs> I hope so. That was fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that desire for alcohol has existed for a long time. Mm-hmm. But then that impact now is like, do we see an over indulgence or oversaturation of drugs and alcohol in TV now making it seem more like mm-hmm. but at the same time I hang out with my friends and like I, I am in my mid-20s like I did go to a four-year college and partying and drinking is like part of your daily life <laughs> like yeah. so I don't know like drinking long existed long before media but now mm-hmm. how does it further perpetuate it right or how is it like picked up how how is the ability to drink like picked up in media and how mm-hmm. is meaning made with that yeah one of the kinds of stories that people seem to like to tell are coming of age stories and i i think that sometimes those are tied up in alcohol to great effect have you ever seen the movie super bad i was just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, are you about yes. to talk about super bad <laughs> Yes, we are about to talk about Superbad. Uh, so Superbad, the classic early 2000s film with Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill, uh, Bill Hader, and uh, Seth Rogen, a few others. Emma Stone is in it. It's great. But the whole movie is about underage high schoolers trying to buy alcohol. And it's a coming-of-age story. And I just thought that was a really interesting thing to unpack because it sort of starts to get into the ideological, mythological Uh, meaning behind alcohol and that's what I think is like a lot of things that's what is really underneath the media messages I'm trying to think of other examples but I'm stuck on on bards um do you Mm -hmm. remember his mythology about wine Mm -hmm. um so uh Roland Bards we've mentioned on the podcast before um he has a really kind of champion work called mythologies where he looks at uh how meaning circulates in mass media bards often focus on advertisements and to great effect, I think. But he has an, I don't know, like an essay or a thesis on wine and the French identity and how he kind of draws the juxtaposition, like this is grapes, this is a beverage, and yet it is somehow become a part of like doing Frenchness or being French. And... I don't know that he has any, like, I don't recall any concrete conclusions on, like, tying those two things together or how they become tied together. But the fact remains that they are tied together. And so I'm wondering what, let's talk about alcohol and the American identity. Mm. My first, my mind immediately goes to beer. We were missing a Budweiser commercial from uh, the Super Bowl. With the horses, with the American identity, the red and the <laughs> I don't I don't remember that one. I didn't I didn't catch all the ads. Can you, oh, can you they describe didn't, it for me? In my head during the Super Bowl, the big commercials are Coca-Cola, Budweiser, like Bud Light. But the Budweiser one is very American. It has the horses running around the plains and mm-hmm. I mean, there we go, alcohol and ads during one of the most streamed televised event of the yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, the Super Bowl is the national stage for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, I'm, I, let's see. 
I'm curious. I want to look up Super Bowl 2023. How many people watched? And then we, we're going to compare it to the State of the Union. 113 million viewers of the Super Bowl. How many people watched the State of the Union? 27 million. A fraction. It doesn't even have a big Google call-out box. <laughs> no. Which, to an extent, that makes sense because the State of the Union can be boring. Not in modern times, I would say, but it can be boring. Um, whereas the Super Bowl is like, it's an event, you know? Um, but I think even the event itself, let's say like football, I think is tied up in this. So I think it's actually mm -hmm. fitting that we're talking about this in the Super Bowl or like spectatorship. Yeah. You watch something and you, you consume something. You consume while you consume and you get a little buzz. That's like how sports are consumed. Look at the practice of tailgating. For like high school <laughs> games, college games. People tailgate everything. I, I Concerts. Mean, was, I sometimes would tailgate so hard I didn't go to the game in college. It's hard to deny that there's kind of an objective to tailgating. And that is to get tipsy before the game. And so part of me is like, well, being tipsy is just, you know, it's fun. So maybe that's what it is. But I really think it's tied into the event of it. And it's almost like, I don't even know if doing away with alcohol would leave the same event intact. Mm -hmm. It's just something you do. Mm -hmm. Can we break down the alcohol timeline of the United States? <laughs> Having no prior research to this timeline. Um, like, like, what? What do you mean timeline? Okay, I'm gonna word vomit here, and I hope my my point gets across. So we had. I'm thinking. I don't know why I'm thinking of Jack Sparrow and drinking rum. That's but, a that's a great <laughs> example. Though. Yeah. So that's in my head, but like, back in the day, I read somewhere that people drank alcohol because their water wasn't clean, and then you have like the kings and queens drinking alcohol because, you know, they're wealthy, whatever. And then you have the taverns where, like, people go and they're sad. They're going to drink. And then we were jumping, like, centuries at this point. And then we have Prohibition where we couldn't have alcohol and mm -hmm. they wanted alcohol. And I'm jumping again and now we have... I'm losing my train of thought. This was a solid thought in my head for a little bit. But now we have alcohol in high school parties, college parties, sports, wine moms. Wine moms, yeah. Breweries, um, the the uh, craft beer people. Kombucha, uh, spiked kombucha. kombucha. Spiked yeah. seltzer. Like, I, I'm trying to think of all the ways that it shows up in our life through the many years of the United States, which I did a horrible job of portraying the first hundred years, but. <laughs> so uh, here's something I'm reading. The 18th yeah. Amendment was ratified on January 16th, 1919. And the country went dry at midnight on January 17th, 1920. Which means there was a whole year, the year of 1919, where Americans were like, after this year, we're not gonna be able to drink alcohol. And I wonder what that year was like. 
I bet it was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's see. When that's when it was. When did it end? I know we learned this in high school. I'm like <laughs> Yeah, I didn't pay attention in high school. December fifth, nineteen thirty three. So it's like That was a long time. Yeah, over a decade, like fourteen years of prohibition. I really didn't know it was that long. It's also interesting because, like, I feel like the prohibition stories we tell are basically, like, alcohol was illegal, but it kind of became a bigger because of that. Mm-hmm. Even the show, the Broadway show I just watched took place, like, it start the first show was, what are you, there, or the first number was, what are you thirsty for? Because it, it's during prohibition. Um, oh. And it's someone, like, selling <laughs> bottles of liquor out of a trench coat. Um <laughs> We have bars named, like, Prohibition. We have a drink named Prohibition. We like, still have speakeasies just yeah. for fun. Mm-hmm. It's so ingrained is, I think, what I'm trying to say with the timeline and everything is, like, it is so ingrained in our everyday lives for centuries. What the fuck is this? Get a look at this Sky <laughs> Vodka app. So Sky Infusions All Natural Cherry. So we have two women, the profiles of two women with cherry red lipstick, each with a cherry in their mouth. The stems of the cherries are connected and behind them is a Sky Vodka bottle. And the (laughs) caption is Go Natural. What? (laughs) I know. Sex and alcohol. First of all, sex and advertising. (gasps) I think there's a reason for the the like sex sells trope. I am thinking of alcohol in Korea. We're taking it out of the United States for a little bit. Yeah, all let's the go. so all the soju ads are women. Mm-hmm. Like skinny, tall, long, dark hair women. That's all I have to say. <laughs> That's like seen, a revelation. <laughs> there there was this this trend, I think it was around a Valentine's Day a few years ago where these these girls on TikTok were making posters for their boyfriends that mimicked um, Bud Light posters. And they even put Bud Light on, like, they, it's like they're making a Bud Light ad, but the, like, the girl in the bikini is them, their girlfriend. So, like, I don't know, cute, like, give your significant other a picture, a second oh, picture. Yeah. But you're making it an ad and I love that it, like, presupposes that, like, this guy would decorate with an ad anyways. Or, like, enjoy this ad anyways. <laughs> um, anyways, going back to this ad, though, like, I think alcohol and it also gets tied up in sex. It, you know, people think of alcohol as a social lubricant. They know that it lowers your inhibitions. And I think that the messaging kind of plays on that association and makes it instead of just like being something that's kind of experienced, like, oh, like maybe when I have a drink, I feel like getting frisky or something. Like it is like alcohol for the purpose or like alcohol and sex. Like you just think of them together mm-hmm. and it like, we're going to hold them together and sell them together. Can I interject here real quick? Please. I feel like sex and alcohol, it... And tying all alcohol to this, like, so fun, yay sex, yay whatever. It mm-hmm. kind of ignores how different alcohols hit different people differently. Mm-hmm. Um, Like, sometimes vodka makes you sleepy or, like, 
vodka will make you very angry. Tequila will make you like you know like it does different things. And by the way, things. any of these will make you sick in excess, very yes. sick. <laughs> yeah. So it's like really ignoring the actual feeling of drinking alcohol, like. Yeah, and how also like how unpleasant it is to oh, drink alcohol. It hurts. Yeah. <laughs> Unless it tastes really good, but then you'll have a hangover the next day from all mm -hmm. the sugar that you drink. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was all with my interjection. This, this ad is all, <laughs> I'll post. This sh I think I should post because it's a yes. really like, wow. I'm trying to think yeah. of any other pictures. Oh, oh what the fuck is this? this? You have to see this. Okay, so DraftKings is a service that allows people to place sports bets, right? Which mm -hmm. also, I didn't realize that sports betting was as big of an industry as it is. They have features built into these apps to stop people from spending too much money because people will just gamble their savings away. From their but phones. They, yeah. So DraftKings <laughs> had a beer ad, like draft or betting thing where it's it's like the high stakes beer ad uh Miller Lite, I think that is, versus Coors Light. And it's like, uh, you bet on which beer is mentioned first during the Super Bowl. And you bet on the number of people with facial hair in the ad. Or like what type of dog is pictured behind the bar. What? And it's getting, but it's getting, so it's like, this was to get people like ready to watch the ads. But th that's really what this is doing. It's like, pay attention to the ads now. And who's because, in it? Yeah. We talked about identity and like who drinks mm -hmm. alcohol, who is portrayed as people with facial hair right off the bat are gonna be drinking. And what kind of beers. what kind of dogs are listed? Golden Retriever, Collie, Boston Terrier, and Saroid. Saroid? I've never heard that word. Is that what that's Oh, is that the white fluffy dog? Oh, is it? Oh, it's Samoid. Yeah, 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 yeah. Samoid. I couldn't read it. <laughs> But I just thought, like, in this graphic, it, it's like, it kind of looks like the football graphics where it's like a helmet from each team facing off against each other. Mm -hmm. But it's a Miller Lite can in, like, this, like, golden wheat aura. And then a Coors Light can in ice in the Blue Mountains, you know, brewed in Colorado, by the way. Mm. But I just, wow. I, okay, so I am looking at these and based off the ad, my feelings that are. Do you see like what it. I wrote right here? Yeah. Says, <laughs> what the, what fuck? the <laughs> fuck? Yeah. It's like the Miller Lite warm. Oh, it, they taste the same. I expect with Coors Light it would be like refreshing, cold, like, yeah, they taste the same. They're both a light beer. Yeah. They taste yeah. very similar. This tagline here, like the first ad you can play on DraftKings. And I know that this is playing on the, like, Super Bowl ads are a thing and, like, elevated above just the normal ads we see. Yeah. But this is really, like, there's so much to unpack here. We're going to look at these ads. It's mm -hmm. almost like we're going to pay special attention to the alcohol ads. But only look for these things because, you know, don't look too hard. If you look too hard into the alcohol, you get this podcast and we see like <laughs> what's going on behind the images. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's all I had for the alcohol stuff, I guess. But like, 
once I, I was surprised how much started to come to me as I, as I began to reflect on it. Yeah. You know, this is something that we see every single day. Ads, TV shows, movies. It's... I remember in our wedding episode, you mentioned how at your sister's wedding, they did, they smoked instead of doing like a champagne. Yeah. What the fuck is that called? It do, that part does not not matter. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we never really had that. I mean, of course, I wasn't around when, maybe we can look into that. Like what the initial reactions were of people who were watching TV when it was like first invented and they first started showing alcohol and stuff. Would like to know what those reactions were. But based on my own assumptions, like people showing smoking and other drugs that aren't alcohol in TV shows is like, oh my God, that's so scandalous. Whereas like with alcohol, it's like, it's in great. It's like, oh, what do you mean? Like we wouldn't have alcohol in the show. Like, yeah, it's in, it's in your home. It's like having a Coke. This is a subject kind of like PTO where it's like this exists in the world and it exists in media, but there's a weird relationship in the way we make meaning of it because of that. But I'm not exactly sure what that relationship is. I think we were close with the mythologies, but even then, there's so many more things to unpack with that of American identity, all different types of alcohol and what they mean to different people. I'm zoning out on the like drug portion that I have right now. And it's, I didn't do a lot of drugs when I was in high school and even college, but most of the movies and shows that I have listed are high school kids. Like Euphoria, Lie to Me is college, and Beautiful Boy, I think they were young adult. Unclear. Timothy Chalamet is pretty young in that movie. Yeah, maybe like 17? Yeah, I think, Yeah. yeah. They're all young. And I don't know if that reflects reality. Like, I don't know if I just wasn't into that and therefore I don't know or I'm like just very out of touch with what kids are doing right now. <laughs> you know what we haven't <laughs> talked about at all? Mm. Uh, is alcohol in music or drugs in music. Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> Popping bottles in the club. Shots, 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 shots. Um. There's more. I mean, I feel There's like more. every every other song <laughs> is yeah. about alcohol. But that, oh man, what a weird image though. Because this is literally what people do. It's myself included. Is you go to the bar where you go get a drink, which is often an ordeal. You get a drink and then music starts playing about drinking in a bar. <laughs> That's what you're doing. Yeah. What a weird like meta media experience. I've never, it's never even dawned on me. Yeah. And like all the drinking songs, like, what is it? Roxanne and Thunderstruck. Oh yeah. Thunderfucked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We used to play that at tailgates where it's like you play Thunderstruck by ACDC and every time they say thunder, you stand in a circle and you change who's drinking. You've played this. Yes. (laughs) And then like, there's like one or two people that get stuck chugging for like 45 seconds or something. It's Um, truly awful. It is awful. Uh, I was always the person in, in high school and college where like 
you would not get me to take a single sip of alcohol that I did not want. And so I would lose drinking games be like, sorry, I'm not drinking that. I'm not drinking the bitch cup in Rage Cage. I do not want to ruin my weekend from here on out. Um, and I feel like I was lucky to have a friend group that was cool with that. But I think that there are certain crowds where it's like, it would be more important to be in, to remain an in member to maintain your consumption or like changing your consumption would change your relation to the social group in negative mm-hmm. ways. Absolutely. And like, oh my God, can we talk about work happy hours? My God. <laughs> yeah. Why is that a thing? They're even showing it in like shows. Yeah. And then you end up hooking up with a coworker. That's like the basis of shows and movies and books. Is why right. Because you know? that's, <laughs> that's like the fantasy of the like happy hour. Right. Um, so I'm actually thinking back to Foucault. Uh, mm-hmm. I was reading, I have a bunch of books out, pull off my shelf because I'm working on that fellowship. But I was reading about, uh, this is Foucault's History of Sexuality, Volume 1, which we've talked about. Is Again, it's not about sex. It's more about power. So Foucault has this idea. He's like, the way that we talk about sex in mass media and in our daily lives tells us something about how power works in our society more generally or in our historical moment more generally. And he talks about in his chapter on the deployment of sexuality. It's how is this, how is this mobilized by power or just I guess just mobilize. And and one is through uh, discourses. And the way that Foucault approaches discourses in this book, he says, we must conceive discourse as a series of discontinuous segments, not connected to each other. There's individual instances that comprise this discourse. Discontinuous segments whose tactical function is neither uniform nor stable. You can have alcohol ads coming at you from like you know, the center for the CDC, like maybe doing something on addiction or more likely alcohol companies, or, you know, I see like support group ads sometimes on the subway, things like that. He goes on to be more precise. We must not imagine a world of discourse divided between accepted discourse and excluded discourse or between the dominant discourse and the dominated one, but as a multiplicity of discursive elements that can come into play in various strategies. So I think that's what I, I think this is what I was trying to get at when I was saying it's like it exists in the world and it exists in media. It's like the discourse on alcohol, it can come from your lived experience with peers, maybe through adolescence and maybe with your parents and your family, but then it also can come through media. And while these segments are not connected, they're not sent by the same people. They're not, you know, like they're not promoting the same message and they're not trying to produce the same effect necessarily. They're very different contexts, but taken together, they can be interpreted as like a larger discourse on alcohol. That is kind of, it, you know, there's, there's contradictions and inconsistencies, but underneath all of it is kind of the movement of power because there's a lot of money in, in these, in, in alcohol. It's a, it's a massive industry. And like any other industry, they, uh suck i guess i don't know i kind of i made my point and that's i think that the discourses they they are not connected but they sort of are held together through my experience and that then informs what alcohol is to me and end right there we're done yeah (laughs) 
I feel like that's that's like how I work. Is like I sit down and I say nothing of substance for forty five minutes, and then I get like a couple sentences out at the end where I'm like, ah, there he is. Yeah. I want to go back to again, like alcohol doesn't taste good, no. but the ads make it look like so appealing. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. And it hurts. It burns. The the Carrie Underwood song. Oh. Hold on. <laughs> uh, the cheating one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, A shooting whiskey. And like. No, it's like fruity little drink because you can't shoot whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's a tweet about that where it was like. Carrie, who's that? Carrie Underwood, Mariah? Yeah. Not Mariah Carey. Carrie Underwood? Carrie Underwood. She's like drinking his fruity little drink because he can't shoot whiskey. And it's like 11-year-old me. Wow, how embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) This guy can't shoot whiskey. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh, I have another one. Alcohol and academia and how it's portrayed in movies and that like not aura in the sense of like Benjamin, but like aura as in like the vibe of academia in movies. And I mean, we already talked about college, but I'm thinking like dark academia, light academia vibe movies. Right. Um, yeah. Not like the like, like the college ranger. Yeah. Like Project X, but like the story of. Yeah. I know what you're saying. What yeah. about? Like I the you're an academic wearing a tweed jacket, like with a glass of whiskey in your desk drawer and it's it's that little thing where it's like I don't want words to finish this. I don't. Or how about like like you see old offices with a decanter in there or bourbon or whiskey or something, and it's it's like ah oh, classy. Although it's very existence in an office implies day drinking. You leave at five. So it's got to be consumed during business hours, I guess. <clears throat> but then you look at like, I saw, I saw a post one time that was like, what's, what's classy if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor? And one was day drinking. Mm-hmm. It's so true. It's very true. Drugs in general, like... Mm-hmm. Cocaine, weed, like yeah. Are you Nate like a rich kid doing designer yeah. drugs, or are you a burn a burnout like junkie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Influencers and alcohol, and ah. there was this big. It's not a movement. This big like rush of influencers a couple of weeks or months ago, of um, non-alcoholic drinks. And they were getting sponsors for it. And it was like, oh, I'm taking a break from alcohol because it makes me feel bad. It increases my anxiety and shit like that. And like, oh, you can drink this. That is still like, even though they're not promoting alcohol directly, they're still talking about alcohol and what would take place of that. Um, because it is not alcohol. Like, just drink a soda. Like it's, Right. It's defined like, by what it's not. So yeah. when you say non-alcohol, are you saying like near beer where like it tastes like alcohol or like, like it like simulates alcohol? Or are you saying like on alternative, like if you're going to a party, like you could bring this instead? The latter. Okay. 
it's not like, oh, take this soda or like sparkling, whatever. It's like an actual defined by and as like an alternative to alcohol thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. this, it's, they're situating a product as yeah. that that's different than soda or different yeah. than a seltzer water because mm -hmm. this is a substitute for alcohol. Realistically, you can substitute anything for alcohol. Yes. I think I knew so many people in college that like, if you're done drinking or like, if you have too much, you just fill your solo cup with water and no one knows the difference. Like, it doesn't really matter. Um, I have a question for you. Yes. So let's say there's someone growing up. They have a normal life, relatively normal life, all things considered, except for one thing. They, on all their devices, have a perfect blocker for any depiction of drunkenness. It's common in media, I think, to see people who are intoxicated and they kind of role model, if you've never been intoxicated, what intoxication is or how people act. Like maybe you feel like texting your ex, maybe you're stumbling a little bit, maybe you're slurring your speech. And these are things that we know based on what alcohol does biologically, it makes sense. Like it makes it hard, your motor control goes down, so your speech slurs, whatever. But I'm wondering if someone didn't know like what how to act drunkenly if it hadn't been role modeled to them how might they behave when they have two three drinks three four drinks fascinating question right what do you think like do you think it i think there's some things that would be the same like i think you know the dizziness obviously is like you can't maybe there's like expecting it so you notice it but i'm really thinking in terms of behavior like all right i feel like singing karaoke or I feel like texting my ex it's like is that is that spontaneous behavior or is it people think I'm drunk and I know that when people are drunk they do this thing very interesting question how much of that is like inherent I don't know if that's the right word inherent to us um because your inhibitions are lowered you are more confident you're more like you don't think clearly. I'm chatty. Like, <laughs> I get very chatty, like two drinks in. I get very huggy. I am not like a huggy person, like sober. Mm -hmm. Couple drops of alcohol <laughs> on me and I am hugging everybody I know. Yeah, and, like, I can see that. <laughs> That's funny. I just, or I remember in college even, this is so stupid. I'd be like, mm, I want to text this girl, but I'm gonna have a couple drinks first because I'll feel like less nervous about it or something. You pregame a party. You literally a huge practice. You drink before you get yeah. to the party. Yeah, it's like I don't want to have to show up to the party and then drink. I want to already be there. Sex Lives of College Girls, love that show, mm -hmm. great show. They have a couple episodes where they do like a little montage of the four roommates pre-gaming before a frat party. Mm -hmm. And it's so wholesome. They're like dancing together, like cheersing and then taking a shot. And I got so nostalgic for my college days. And like, uh, it was like a very positive representation of a pregame. Like it wasn't messy. I mean, the party itself, that was a whole other thing. But I don't know, I really enjoyed it. Like it was very cute. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like the, the pregame, it can, especially when you kind of have like a closer group of friends, like it's a really great time to kind of cherish that friendship. There, it just, but alcohol is a part of it too. And it that, is. But I guess, 
I don't know. You would know more about this than me, but I've noticed women, they, they have a practice of like getting ready together or something that seems to get at some of that as well. Mm-hmm. It's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it looks fun. I, I feel like our conversation today is very scattered, but I think it kind of reflects how complicated and like complex this all is. And just like so many examples that we'll think of like, you know, like later in the episode, like that we didn't originally think of. It's so ingrained that. Yeah, because I think yeah. it's like alcohol has been. I've never known a world where it didn't have the sort of status that it has. And so when that's the default, it's really easy to take it for granted. But then you start to think I've seen it in this context. I've also seen it in this context and this context. And then when you start to look at them together, I think that we're starting to do like to see the discourse underneath a little more. But you're, yeah, it's it's hard to get at. I wonder if people that work in like marketing for cores or something, if they have to be careful, you probably have to be careful how you depict alcohol in an ad. They often have disclaimers like drink responsibly or, you know, like recommended dosage like don't or like don't drink when you're pregnant or things like that. But then they also like, you're not going to see an ad that shows someone drinking alone on a Tuesday. It's going to show, you know, all your friends toasting with their 40 calorie beer on a rooftop in Seattle or something. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of think like, I think the, the risk of addiction and substance dependency are like at all costs. We don't want you to think about that. Mm-hmm. I was talking to someone, someone my senior year of college and I was like, you know, I feel like, I feel like we're drinking a lot. And they were like, it's not alcoholism. You're just a college student. Yeah. It's not alcoholism until you graduate. Yeah. I think it's so funny. We did a whole episode on college and yet in our alcohol episode, we have gone back to college time and time again. Mm -hmm. That seems very telling to me. How are you feeling? Angry. (laughs) Angry. It took me a while to get that out. I think it's the ads. I think I'm stuck on ads and I'm stuck on how much there is in media, but also the social relations that like we have really only started to get into in this episode and like the myth around it, all of that. Like I, there's so much more to really dig into here and I am just angry by ads. (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm angry because in the whole discussion of like looking at alcohol and media, there's really not a lot about what it actually is and what like damage it can. It's a toxin. It's a poison, yeah. technically a mild one, but that is what it is. That's what blacking out is, is overdosing on alcohol. And I did that maybe like three times in college. And that's, that's crazy. Cause I don't think of it as like, I've never overdosed on drugs, but like in a way I kind of have, mm-hmm. and in a way a lot of people have, and like, you know, looking at liver function and alcohol and gut health, like, man, even drinking and driving, like these, it's, it's like at all costs, we want to sell you alcohol without reminding you of these things. And that makes me really frustrated. 
I am even more angry now after <laughs> just hearing what you just said. Mainly because the negative depictions of like college shrinking is like, oh, this is just what you do. Like you're just hungover with your friends the next day. You go like, I mean, I did this like, so it is pretty regular. But like when depicted in shows, it's like throwing up, all of that. It's like, oh, th- that's just how you do it. It's not like, a, oh, this is actually like really bad for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that just reminded me of one trope that I do like is like when it, uh, I'm thinking of Parks and Rec specifically, I've seen this, but I feel like I've seen it elsewhere where it's like adults who don't normally go out drinking, go out drinking and the next day can't move. That to <laughs> me is a realistic depiction. Like I think any anyone who's tried to wake up early and exercise after drinking knows like you can feel in your muscles, in your bones that you are not well and you have to cycle this out of your system before you're gonna function again. All right, I kinda wanna drink. I think I'm gonna go make a cocktail. Make sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast and follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Media Culture and Why Pod, where you can share your thoughts, engage with us, and we'll keep you updated on new episodes. Join us next week where we'll unpack another part of our media lives. Bye. Bye.